0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Happiest Pod on Earth. I'm Steph. I'm Ariel. And I'm Posue. And I'm an educator who uses passions and fandoms to help my students grow and learn about themselves and the world around them. And I'm a therapist who uses clients' passions and fandoms to help them grow and heal from trauma.
1: And I'm a
2: former educator and former therapist who teaches other educators and therapists to use their passions and fandoms
0: in their work.
1: And Happiest Pod is a place where we dissect Disney mediums with a critical lens.
0: Why do we do that? Because just like we are more than just fans, we expect more from the mediums we consume.
2: So team, what what Disney experience are we discussing today?
0: Uh, This is
1: the We Do Talk About Bruno reprise. We're bringing Encanto back.
2: A sequel.
0: Oh dang! Parte dos. Before we even knew we were gonna get one. (laughs) What? Lucky, lucky you all. You got your sequel before the sequel. (laughs)
2: Encandos. (laughs)
0: Encandos. I like it. I like it. Don't use that. Cut it (laughs) (laughs) off. Too late. I don't know about you all, but Encanto's been everywhere. It has not left. It mm-hmm. is in and around. I hear it every day at school. We don't talk about Bruno no no no. every single day, Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. kids love it. And I mean, I think it's the gift that keeps on giving like we mentioned before.
1: I was walking my dog with my roommate the other day and some kids were playing musical chairs with um, the We Don't Talk About Bruno song and literally I heard I would say six tiny little voices go Isabella your boyfriend is here <laughs> all sassy and then the music stopped and it was like a cheer
2: <laughs> I, I don't know if we talked about last time about how like that song was charting right like it was it was on the chart on the billboard charts like it was on the radio
0: <laughs> I have a fast fact about that yeah um so currently we don't talk about bruno has 100 million streams um <laughs> and that's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, mm-hmm. what have you, uh Disney Radio. Um so 100 million. I'm pretty sure that's probably changed by right now as I'm talking, but it's I appreciate
2: unreal. the shout out to Disney Radio.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it keeps on giving. I had a huge epiphany about it today. Like it, it like I had therapy earlier today and I brought up some stuff and then I was listening to the soundtrack in preparation for this conversation. <sighs> And I, oh, it was like, you gotta be kidding. There's still stuff in the, <laughs> that
1: I, like, I,
2: I didn't see, or I didn't realize before.
1: Like what? Share.
2: You know, when we talked about all of the different abilities and, mm-hmm. and like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to my version that each mm-hmm. of them are used to, to uphold this illusion, right? That abuela, that abuela wants to, to protect everybody by mm-hmm. any means. So mm-hmm. every, every ability just makes that more possible. And one that I really didn't think about was Julieta's power. Mm. Like, and I kind of like, I feel like we just like talked over it, mm. but then it's, it's in the first song in the family Madrigal where, um, Maribel just says real quick, like, Oh, like she makes everything better with food. And I was like, Oh, that's it you avoid talking about stuff, right? <laughs> you just you just you just cook something up, you just make a meal, you just send some, and you, we don't talk about it. Look, eat this and you and you know, and forget mm-hmm, about it. Mm-hmm. And I was like what? And then so this morning uh, when I was meeting with my therapist, I was talking about basically I developed a, I have a eating disorder that I was diagnosed with mm-hmm. and I attribute it I've always attributed it to the fact that uh, when I was a kid and my parents were getting divorced. Uh, I was six years old, and my mom, my grandmother, just would feed me just constantly, just to to to, to make me feel better. And mm-hmm. like I gained so much weight, and like I still have stretch marks from when I was that that small. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it's been something that I've struggled with always. And but it's that it's oh I'll make it better, don't worry mm-hmm. I'll cook you mm-hmm. something. Let me make mm-hmm. you something, right? We don't need mm-hmm. to talk about it. I'm not going to tell you yeah. the truth. We're not going to fix mm-hmm. it. We're not going to address it. But eat this. I was like damn it. <laughs> it was right there. Like, I didn't think about how obvious that version of, um, Jul- you know, th- what Julieta's role there is, but it's still, it's, it's another version of, we don't talk about anything. Mm-hmm.
0: We tamp it down.
2: And the version in the, in the movie is, is so, is so harmful because it, it literally fixes things.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. But
2: superficial and physical things, you know,
0: it causes you to not confront it yeah
2: yeah <laughs>
0: I mean, how'd you get hurt don't worry about it eat this yeah. it's fixed
1: <laughs> the best way to shut a pie hole is to put a pie in it mm, mm, <laughs> mm,
0: mm, mm. I yeah. feel like that's a running joke in Filipino culture where mm. if you if you argue or you get in trouble with any of your elders they don't apologize to you they just their ways of apologizing is have you eaten yet and mm. that's all you're gonna get because they're yeah. choosing to keep you alive by feeding you that's All the sorry you're gonna get for Mm -hmm. whatever conflict there is especially if it's you know the fault it lies on the adults they'll they won't admit that Mm. they'll just say have you eaten yet pop in and (laughs) you don't have to say yes but most likely you will end up eventually going out because you'll get hungry so you don't talk about it you don't resolve the conflict you just eat the food in silence and Go about your day.
1: Well, and it's interesting because when it came time for the big confrontation with Mirabel and um, Abuela Alma, um, essentially the person who attempts to protect Mirabelle is her dad, not her mom. Uh, he's the one who uh, essentially steps up and and starts looking for her. He and, and mm. even when they found the prophecy, he's the one who's trying to make sure that she's okay. He's out looking for her and making um and, and looking out for her. Whereas um, Julieta is out is essentially looking out for the family. Even when it was um, when she cut herself, um, it was because. Alma gave her that look of, like, you better handle this. You better take care of this. You take her away from the party and the group, and um, you you essentially settle her down. Mm. Yeah,
2: yeah. This movie.
1: (laughs) 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 So in doing this reprise, I think first something that we didn't talk too much about, we focused on last time really, like, one specific song. Um, and I think that um, I'd found some information about some of the other songs that was really interesting, um, sort of like Easter eggs or like, I don't know, cameos, shout outs. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the first one is that in the family Madrigal, when Abuela Alma sings her verse, it's in the same melody as Dos Orguitas. true. It's
2: true. Mm-hmm. true.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a little bit of foreshadowing there.
2: Not only foreshadowing. 'Cause I, I just listened to Santra like four times before we recorded <laughs> 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 while looking at the lyrics uh, mm-hmm. as they were playing through. And she she very clearly outlined in that in the in the the melody of dos Oruguitas in that first song mm-hmm. about how we have to work hard mm-hmm. to maintain mm-hmm. this miracle. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oof, like things things were rough we can't we can't do that again it's like oh yeah thanks thanks that's right in the first in the opening scene you you told us what was going on
1: yep and what her belief system was in regards to the family's role mm-hmm. yep. and then in the um waiting on a miracle you hear uh mirabelle say i would move the mountains mm-hmm. make new trees and flowers grow i would heal what's broken show this family something new um, and, you know, we, we saw the river that nobody had ever seen before, um, where uh, uh, a boy Pedro had passed away. We, she definitely moved the mountain, she broke it apart. And um, by, you know, having a connection stronger with her sister Isabella, she actually grew trees, which until that point, we didn't really see Isabella grow anything but flowers. And even when you go into her room, it's all like the topiary is essentially
0: flowers. Yeah. Mm hmm. I can even see her talking about I would move mountains how she moved her strongest sister how mm. she was able to break through that because she was such a uh like a steady rock for the entire family and how she moved her when no one else could she couldn't even do it herself Louisa so she might have foreshadowed that as well
2: yeah metaphorically yeah mm-hmm. I think I think that even if you take it literally as if because we we talked about last time how everybody's using their powers in an unhealthy way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she's like, if, if if I, if I could, I would move the mountains that are blocking everything. If I had the ability to make plants grow, I'd make new trees and and Mm -hmm. new stuff like that, not right. Mm -hmm. so like literally I can see what everybody's powers are and I would use them differently. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: If I, if I could heal with food or whatever, Mm -hmm. I would heal what's, Broken, mm-hmm. right? Like we don't we don't talk about what's broken. We don't actually address anything that's broken. I would actually heal what is broken, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. if I if I could, and show this family maybe something new. But like I think it's a a, a completely different perspective. Mm-hmm. Like we said last time, it's like you can see the things happening, but the way that people are talking about it is 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 the warped version. Is is like no, we don't actually. There's a it's not the truth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, and with again in the family Madrigal, she says, This is my family, a perfect constellation, so many stars, and everybody gets to shine. But at the end, when we're at all of you, she says, Look at this family, a glowing constellation, so full of stars, and everybody wants to shine. But the stars don't shine, they burn, and the constellations shift. I think it's time you learn you're more than just your gifts. Mm -hmm. So we definitely see this idea of perfection in the first song and like everybody being allowed to be individuals. And in reality, we don't get to see them be individuals. They are only their gifts. And it's only the way that um, Abuela Alma interprets them.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Another little interesting thing about that specific part, when she says burn, she sings it at the exact same melody and tone as in Hamilton in the song burn. Uh
0: A Lin-Manuel Miranda thing. There's lots of those I hear.
1: Yes. Yes. uh, A little little, (laughs) little call out, a little shout out. Um, mm-hmm. And then also in Hamilton, in the um, song Yorktown, Hamilton says, seize the moment and stay in it. And in all of you, Dolores sings, I'm seizing the moment. So would you wake up and notice me?
0: Oh, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: another also interesting song thing, which Steph, you got it right. You were right, my fam. Lin-Manuel said the family Gras was inspired by Belle from Beauty mm-hmm. and the Beast. Mm-hmm. You, you, you clocked that my friend it was was all you thank you thank you this is your time Bow. this is my time (laughs) (laughs)
0: you're welcome Uh,
1: another sort of songs uh shout out uh louisa's song surface pressure she says um uh was hercules ever like yo i don't want to fight cerberus as a shout out to obviously hercules
2: i don't remember who who said it but i remember uh, seeing a video or something it said like you know with hercules ever like yo i don't want to fight service is the most liminal miranda thing <laughs> it's like if you didn't know really he wrote is. the music to the to the <laughs> movie at that point you're like oh this must be Miranda. <laughs> i know
0: who wrote this i know who wrote this <laughs> who would even think of that
1: <laughs> and that specific song lin-manuel wrote as an apology and love letter for his older sister who he saw had to bear the burdens of the family mm. yeah yeah. Speaking of apologies, when Bruno um, sings his apology to Peppa at the end, he says, let it snow, let it go. And the opening notes of let it go from Frozen are actually heard in the background.
0: Do you notice he also throws like white confetti, making yes. it as, like as if it's snowing? <laughs> and he does even like Elsa's pose. It's really funny.
2: <laughs> okay, how many times have y'all watched the movie since the last time?
0: <laughs> you know, that's a that's a good question for everybody. Has... Have you all watched it again? I actually haven't, but I've seen so many clips online that I feel mm. like I've watched it in like thirty-second increments.
2: I just I just listened to the soundtrack again about uh, multiple times. I only listened to the Sodogita before <laughs> on repeat forever. <laughs> um, but na- I was like, oh, I could watch the whole movie, or let me just, let me just listen to the soundtrack. And and it, I mean, it's it's kind of like watching the movie. Yeah, it
1: is. it is.
2: The the beats are all there.
1: I watched it two more times. Then, of course, everything on TikTok uh, has me watch clips. Um, I think that actually counts. Um, But it was two more times. Um, One to just do a refresher before we came and did our reprise. Um, And another time because I needed noise in the background for, like, doing stuff.
0: Funnily enough, it's uh, made its way into the karaoke queue. Uh, Ah. Me and my friends were on a trip. Uh, with our families, and we play this uh, card game called Culture Karaoke, where it -hmm. gives you, like, a category, and then you have to, like, sing a song from a girl group from the 90s, like, and then you would pick, like, I'm gonna pick Spice Girls, or I'm gonna pick TLC, or whatever. And then, unannounced, unprompted, my husband puts on uh, the family Madrigal. (laughs) 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 Because we were using YouTube, and I, as you not, we all just started singing it and we all like took parts and we i mean we love the movie so much i was just like let's do all the other songs now forget this game
2: (laughs) that's gotta be the hardest song though right it is yeah
0: yeah but the oh i think there's a couple edits on youtube where it like follows along with the lyrics and like who's singing it so Mm -hmm. it was like color-coded and they put the picture of the character so we were definitely winded after that song but yeah. We, we, we still sing We Don't Talk About Bruno afterwards.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's um, interesting because you are talking about like um, everybody taking on a part. And obviously, and we don't talk about Bruno, everybody gets to sing a part. And the part where they are um, overlapping in the song mm-hmm. uh, at the dinner table, like setting, yeah. setting the, the table together, that actual um, composition style is actually called a madrigal. Which is a polyphonic madrigal um a number of voices that vary between two and eight. Um, usually features uh, maybe one prominent voice in the musical composition um, they o- interweave and overlap. And so it's interesting that when we do actually have them all singing as a family, like that is how they're doing it. They're actually doing the madrigal uh, comp- vocal composition.
0: Is that similar to a round? Is it like also known as a round or is there a difference between the two
1: there's a difference around is almost like on Canon where the next person goes the next person goes mm, okay. they already had their individual song overlap with each other mm-hmm. and and is if you put on if you turn it up really loud or you put on the subtitles the scene where they're sort of dancing around in uh, Mirabelle's head and she's like looking at the um, not the fortune. <laughs>
0: She's the looking prophecy? at
1: the yes. <laughs> she's like she's looking at the fortune.
0: She's looking at the fortune cookie.
1: <laughs> but She's looking at the prophecy. They're all singing around her. And you can hear Isabella say, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. That's what she sings. And it's the same note that um and key that she hear her introduction to the song where she says that um uh he told me that the life of my dreams was gonna be mm-hmm. mine. And a lot of people have noted that um, she has to put on the persona of perfection, but in reality, there's a good chance that her dreams weren't dreams, they were nightmares. Because mm. everybody had these like bad prophecies and she's just presenting it as not a bad one.
2: I love that song, the, the Bruno song, because every time, like everything, I still think that all his prophecies were positive.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And like in her case, like in her and Dolores' case, like. They were absolutely true. Like, oh, the song, the life that you want is going to be yours. It's a, it's just like, but it's a prophecy. So like, it's going to be in the future. It did happen eventually. And, mm-hmm. and the person that Dolores wanted, it's like, oh, he only told you up to the part where like, oh yeah, your guy, he's, he's going to be with somebody else, but like, but he's your guy. Like eventually, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's incomplete. Yeah.
0: I mean, even the smaller ones, there's things that were going to happen eventually, like that fish wasn't going to live forever. Sorry. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> The director even said, like, you don't hear it in the movie, but the name of the woman is Spanish, in Spanish translate to Miss Deadfish. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's her name. <laughs>
0: like, I knew your fish was going to die, girl, it was written in your name.
2: <laughs> in the is it, Does it appear in the credits, like, uh, Mrs. Deadfish? Like, you
0: have no other identity, but you're Mrs. Deadfish, like... Villager Mr. one, Green-
2: villager two, Mrs. Deadfish, Deadfish. villager three.
0: <laughs> Mr. Green Thumb is down there too. <laughs> <laughs> it says,
1: while her name is never mentioned in the film, director Jared Bush revealed that the name of the woman whose goldfish dies is Senora Pez Muerto? <laughs> Meaning, <is>. Miss Deadfish. <laughs>
0: yep. yep. <laughs> it's like that's her occupation, kind of like blacksmith. <laughs>
2: that's my new favorite Encanto trivia
0: <laughs> I know it's pretty who good who you
1: cosplaying as Miss Deadfish
0: <laughs> just go around with a fish bowl <laughs> and just tilt your head dead <laughs> that's actually a good cosplay if you and like two other of your friends are the three like villagers whose prophecies were read, and just <laughs> a guy with a gut bald guy, guy just Mrs. Like, Deadfish t-
2: taking his hair off right <laughs> yeah. just taking a wig off <laughs> But it's, it's going to happen because Encanto is everywhere and, yes. and, and there's going to be at yes. least one.
1: Hey, if they have that Star Wars run with the guy who's holding the ice cream maker,
0: definitely
1: going to have Miss Deadfish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or even your, your dad's cosplay of the guy in Jurassic Park that everybody really liked. Oh, yeah. Oh my, everyone loved that cosplay.
1: Yeah, my dad was a Jimmy Buffett. If you watched... Jurassic World, he has a cameo where he has two margaritas and he's running away from pterodactyls, so I was a pterodactyl and my dad was Jimmy Buffett with the two margaritas and that was...
0: Everyone at Comic-Con was loving it. They were like, oh, it's
1: Jimmy Buffett! (laughs) It's Jimmy Buffett! It's the margarita guy!
0: (laughs) They're like, do the pose! Do the pose! Yep! It's gonna be like that, for sure.
1: Okay, okay. Um, uh, other, Other Easter eggs. Um... Hidden Mickeys, there are two, as there should be. Uh, The first one is actually in um, What Else Can I Do? Uh, Isabella Makes a Cactus, and that cactus is a a Mickey shape. Hmm. Uh, And then the second one, you actually would have to freeze frame, like, each second of the song. But Mirabelle in the song Waiting on a Miracle, when she dances around her parents, in the foreground there's magical glitter that's in the shape of Mickey's head. Hmm. Going with the theme of butterflies, because that was something that we talked about. Yes. Um, The new door that gets built at the end, there's a butterfly for each family member, except one. And that one is, you find it on Mirabelle's chest. So right above, like the whole, like on the archway. Butterfly uh-huh. for each family member. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that there's a book called One Hundred Years of Solitude, and it's written by a Colombian novelist named uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And in the book, throughout there are yellow butterflies that appear, and it's actually the story of a multi generational family whose patriarch finds a town,
0: much like a abuela.
1: <laughs>
2: so Disney's getting sued. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm just saying like there's, there's <laughs> Sounds... no way there wasn't some inspiration <laughs> well,
2: uh, what was the uh what's the the movie the white lion isn't simba the white lion or
0: oh kim kim kimba, kimba. The kimba. White lion, yeah. yeah the yeah, anime yeah. movie yeah yeah mm-hmm. It's
2: nothing like, like no <laughs> no
0: they would have to wait a couple what is it like it was made in the 70s and then mm-hmm. And then Lion King came out in the 90s, so you have to wait until that production house is defunct (laughs) in order to steal their things (laughs) and not feel the ramifications of it. Okay,
1: okay. Um, In Bruno's room, in his room by the kitchen, um, you can see a boot with a plant in the background, and that's actually a shout out to Wally. It's the plant that, like... They find and Eva takes and stores.
2: I don't know how I feel about Disney movies referencing Pixar movies. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that.
0: Yeah, I was gonna mention that. I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up here. Hmm.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we need boundaries. Okay, <laughs> stay in your lane.
0: <laughs> we have not moved that mountain yet. They had exactly. to build another yeah. Disney uh, CGI mountain. But that isn't the f-
1: first time they've done that, though, right?
2: Actually, uh, was 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 Merida in um in uh the video game movie? Uh,
1: oh, Wreck It Ralph. Uh-huh. Wreck
2: It Ralph. Merida's in it, right?
1: Yeah, that's the one I'm referring to. In Wreck It Ralph, she was in there, and they make a snide, rude comment, which does not sound like my Disney princesses. But they were like, um, "Oh, she was made from the other production company." Right,
2: right, right. So that's right. acceptable,
1: yeah.
2: right? It's like that's that. That's how they should act.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> they should be snarky to
0: each other. <laughs> yeah. Frenemies. Make a face. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> They're from the other magical town, <laughs> mm-hmm. not this yep. one.
1: <laughs> they make movies about feelings that feel okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, there are some, uh, some Easter eggs.
0: I mean, would another Easter egg be that the Disney Pixar, Disney CGI, that's a dysfunctional family in itself because it was like they had this partnership, they're a family, and now they're like all over the place, animators here at, I don't know, but it could be a bigger metaphor for the messiness that is Disney CGI, former Pixar.
1: And this new generation is trying to break that generational curse.
0: <laughs> I don't know, that's going too far, but... It's a stretch,
1: Steph. What have you been doing with Encanto in the classroom, or have you seen teachers doing?
0: I've seen. I mean, in aside from playing the songs during, you know, free time and like connecting with kids, because you gotta mm-hmm. kind of be hip to what the kids are listening to nowadays, right? Even though those kids are like five, <laughs> just turned six, you gotta know what's cool. So, I mean, mm-hmm. everybody is, you know in and around Encanto, whether it's the clothes, like what they're what they're wearing, um, who they relate to, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, you would find yourself like if you had to choose a power, what would you choose? That's such a popular um, writing prompt, uh, oh. especially when you know, superheroes came, you know, in the, the forefront of everything. It, it was always like, you know, if you were a superhero, what would you be? Um, a couple of educators, they actually twisted that a little bit um, to fit Encanto and using that in the classroom. Um, and some teachers have been uh, using it to help kids discover their special talents. Um, there's this one uh, teaching website where it says, um, because in the beginning of the movie, Mirabelle lavishes praise on her family and their unique gifts such as healing, uh, their food endless physical strength, even though she doesn't have any, um, she figures, you know, she's going to contribute in big ways like we saw. Um, So what the teacher could do is you could ask the students to complete a writing activity where they come up with their own list of things that their family members excel at, not them per se. Oh. But I you could say, you know, my mom's really good at, you know, making this certain dish or my mom's really good at cleaning, you know, the house or she's really good at maybe even putting on her makeup. And, you know, my dad's really good at, you know, so and so my cousin's good at this and this. And then after that, you could say, how would you transfer that into magical gifts? So oh. let's say, for instance, if your mom is really good at doing her makeup, what if she just flick of the wrist, did a whole piece of makeup or, you know, did it for like, even for a dog or, you know, get really silly and crazy with it. Um, You could kind of take it to wherever. Or you could say, you know, how would that gift? um, How could they would they be able to reflect on what their talent might be, would you inherit that talent or would you take that talent further? Like if you Mm. could change the way something looked, would you do that? Is it a bad thing or a good thing? Who would it benefit? Who would it not benefit? And you know, would you do that for other people? So there's many different avenues that you could take a special gift. Um, It doesn't have to be magical. Um, It could just be, you know, something really simple, such as, you know, um, I can kick a ball really, really far. Well, would you want to play a professional sport or would you use those talents to, you know, help other people? How would kicking a ball help someone? Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, maybe my strength could, you know, move things for people who can't like the elderly, things like that. So it's kind of like taking services to, you know, your community like Mm. a step further by making it magical. Um, But, you know, they can also scale it down by making it um, very accessible to students, which is really cool. But you can make it as magical or not magical as you want. The younger kids are really fun because they can totally make it magical and then (laughs) they run wild with it. Um, So I implore you to ask a child what they would do with, you know, Louisa's uh, gift or Mirabelle's gift, or even ask a kid what they think Mirabelle's gift is because you might get some really interesting answers.
2: Yeah. I like the community framing of it because in the movie, that's really like, the family is really at serving the town right mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. like oh if you know if you had abilities how would you help your town or the school
1: yeah, yeah. That, what a clever assignment
2: i mean they're already talking about it <laughs> yeah speaking their language
0: yeah and i think a lot of kids have been you know identifying their family members within, you know, this is my cousin who always listens into whatever I'm saying, and she always repeats it. Um, I don't want her to, but she does it anyway. (laughs) And, you know, there's there's that cousin who I don't see very often, but I know he's around kind of like their Uncle Bruno. Everybody has that uncle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it always ends up being, you know, like Bruno. So they they really see themselves, even though they might not see themselves visually, they Mm -hmm. can find themselves in every character, um, which is really awesome.
1: That's interesting that you mentioned Dolores and like a cousin that won't keep secrets. There is a fan theory that because Dolores can hear everything, she knew the prophecy already and was just waiting to the right time to like stir the pot so that her man wouldn't get stolen from her. (laughs) Cause she even says no one is worried about the magic but you and the rats and the walls.
2: <laughs> in um, uh, in one of the songs, she says, "I can hear him now."
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think mm-hmm.
2: it's in it's in Bruno, right? It's yeah, in like, yeah. Is she,
0: Mumbling and something. She's like, "I can hear him now." There's a lot of talk, yeah, about mm. what she hears and. Mm-hmm. The things she shouldn't be hearing. She's got
1: all the cheese, because
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, she and she admits,
2: I, I've, I always knew that Bruno was there. I could hear him. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I knew. I know everything. <laughs> this is why, like, I, I feel like her, her, her power is just as sad as, um, as uh, uh, Luisa and and mm-hmm. Isabella's because, mm-hmm. like, she has to stay quiet about this yeah. stuff. You know, like she yeah. hears everything and she can't say anything or do anything about it mm-hmm. because for i mean who knows what Mm -hmm. why she thinks that but that's a lot of pressure too
1: you can also see in the background um i think her power is the one that sucks the most uh, because Mm -hmm. um when well when everybody's like clapping she just uses her two index fingers because everything's just so (laughs) loud (laughs) (laughs) and it's like we don't we i don't see her wearing like any earmuffs or earplugs at all i feel so bad (laughs) Like she needs some Bowie, Bose noise canceling headphones, <laughs> number 45s.
0: <laughs> I want a Disney short of young Dolores, like where she didn't know restraint and just said everything she heard. Because yeah, there are kids I, who just repeat everything that they hear, even though. They're oh, not that supposed. was me. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see just her. Just spilling the cheese (laughs) may everything. Mm -hmm. It is funny because in the
2: dinner scene, right? She she can't hold it in, Um, but then but then like you learn. Oh, she's she's had a lot of restraint.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. She just stirred the pot at the right moment.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is pretty (laughs) juicy. My
0: girl.
2: I get it. Yeah. She
0: knew. She knew. But yeah, (laughs) I agree. I think her power is you know very burdensome. And that town is not that large. Now, <laughs> if it was larger, if it continues to expand, is she is she using things to help her, you know, control block it out, or I don't know. Yeah. I don't. Know. I
2: just. Oh, I I never thought about how bad it could be. But what if she can actually hear outside of the town, oh. and she can't go, but she knows that like all these things are happening, and there's there's this whole world out there.
0: There's life beyond the walls. There's oh, life beyond no. the walls. Oh man, we need another episode for that one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> oh,
0: about
2: Dolores' plight now. Oh.
1: Mm-hmm. the tragedy mm-hmm. of Dolores. We don't really have a time frame, do we?
2: No, not really. And and like when things happen at the beginning,
1: mm-hmm.
2: the story takes place fifty years after that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and. <laughs> We know that they make espresso. Yes. <laughs> we know that those processes are there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but other than that, I mean, there's no sign of electricity aside. I mean, they're using carts.
2: But also, like, we have no idea, like, because we have no frame of reference for the yeah. initial scene. Yeah, like technology could have advanced. Like, it could uh-huh. have been the 1900s, yeah. and now it's 1950, and like yeah. they're still, you know, like In, there was a yeah. big change. You know, yes, like people are driving yes. cars around that mountain and they have no yeah. idea what's going on yeah, in there. They, have no idea. they yeah, just saw a mountain there. split and yeah. it's like, wait,
0: what? <laughs> yeah. What an much to rural living, especially mm-hmm. in countries like that. Because yes, there could be cars and you know, electric cars going around, but if you live in the boonies, <laughs> in the you bonies. would not know that. You mm-hmm. would not know that at all. And there no. are places that exist today that are like mm-hmm. that. I mean, speaking of Encanto's been so popular. So we know the the Disney route on this. We got a mm, Frozen yeah. 2. Yes. We Insurance. are going to be getting a Moana 2 yeah. sometime. Do you think they're going to push for an Encanto 2?
2: I mean, uh, only because I'm sure it's made them a lot of money. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a flop. So yeah. they have to monetize it as much as they can.
0: Yeah. yeah, I did read some people say because when she rebuilt the house at the end of the movie... You see in its destruction, the mountain splits, right? So it opens Mm -hmm. up this valley that never gets repaired. So it's now open. People can visit the town now, or the townspeople can go out and venture. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if this maybe sequel would be them going out or dealing with outsiders coming in.
2: Mm. Again, like frozen surprised me when it, when they had a sequel, like I couldn't imagine what the sequel would be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and yeah this this i i think they have the opportunity to do some cool stuff that is kind of there'll be like hard to expect Mm -hmm. because i mean we we talked about it's been 50 years so the world like the outside world is very different Mm
0: -hmm. and we don't
2: know what kind of world they live in that's another part too like when we when we see Arendelle and then we, we kind of expand a little more in the second one. It's like, Oh, this world is full of fantasy and, mm-hmm. and, and, and magic. magic. And like, mm-hmm. there's all these people who've been trapped for 50 years. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't remember for 50 years in frozen two, Right. But like all these people who were out there and there's like all this other types of magic. So it's possible that in the world of Encanto, they're not necessarily, maybe they're not as special.
1: Oh, right mm-hmm. maybe there's other
2: families there's other miracles right there's other families yeah. with powers and, and 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 abilities nearby you know and like there's all these things you can explore now that they've grown you know mm-hmm. do you introduce mm-hmm. some kind of um I don't know like what's what's the we have generational trauma here what do we do what what could be next what's the challenge is it is it just now adapting? actually Mm. i think okay here's Mm -hmm. my theory here's my theory abuela dies
0: oh i was just gonna say that yeah i was just gonna say that
2: that's how it is right too many
0: disney moms in this movie yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs)
2: Yeah. you deal with the loss of abuela and how you like because she had so much control and now that she's let Mm -hmm. go how do you what role does everyone else play who Mm -hmm. who becomes the new matriarch who becomes what are our roles now how does that power shift there it is the manuel call me <laughs>
0: i know right <laughs> wait call him up
2: there's also the possibility that at the end when because they don't they don't say this they don't show it either way mm-hmm. but when um mirabel touches the door the whole town kind of glows it's not just mm-hmm. casita like everything mm-hmm. like what if everybody else got powers too you know like,
1: like that little boy who drank all that coffee <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he's a speedster now. <laughs>
0: he's had a power. <laughs> his power is his little body just absorbing all the caffeine.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I I I think I think that makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. right. And and you can see all the same roles, like all the family dynamics, you can start to see them play out in that generational way, right? But like yeah. they didn't get to grow. They were stifled mm-hmm. in the cocoon. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And now that the cocoon mm-hmm. has has broken how do those, we can show how all of those roles play out Yeah. later on as, as you get older. Yeah. Just like in real life, you had these roles when you were younger and then they can have, then it it can explain some of the issues you have as an adult.
1: What a beautiful segue Hossoy, to what I wanted to talk about, <laughs> which was a dysfunctional family roles. Um, so, as some of you know, I'm a therapist. I'm specifically what's called a marriage and family therapist. I was trained to think systemically. So, when I treat an individual, I don't just see them. I see, you know, the uh, how they have been um, affected by those around them, and specifically the way their family affects them. And uh, there's this sort of theory that when a f- when there's family dysfunction, we take on roles in the family. Um, uh, when we see family members struggle to self-regulate themselves, we take on these roles and attempt to like create homeostasis or rebalance the family so that we can get back to, you know, quote unquote being functional. Um, and though I don't really ascribe to dysfunctional and functional, I kind of think of it as, um, uh, these roles are very adaptive. They're survivor roles. And once you've, sort of left the family, you've created individuation, um, they're no longer useful because you're not in survival mode anymore in the same way. Um, I always use, like with my clients, the example of if you're swimming in water, you're going to propel yourself forward with your arms, but you're on dry land now. Hmm. Hmm. These are dysfunctional family roles as they're called in the field, um, but you can also just think of them as like survivor roles or roles that would take on to survive. And so I'm gonna I'm going to read them, and I want you all to say who you think in the family they are Mm -hmm. uh the caretaker peacemaker mediator so these are any of the terms you can use and this is the individual in the family who is constantly alert to addressing any family issue and conflict they often go ahead of their own personal needs and take on the duties and responsibilities of others in the family they are seen as the one keeping the family in balance
2: so so i think i think there's a couple that fit this one yeah Mm
1: yeah
2: um Camilo uh, is one okay. Okay. because uh, he he literally takes on the duties of other people in the family um, because he transforms into them and then and then uh, steps in when other people can't. And I think Julieta,
1: okay,
0: okay. and
2: Mirabel, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think those.
0: I definitely thought Julieta first, just because she is the most overtly motherly type, mm. okay. Um, okay, and she's preparing food right so mm-hmm. it's not usually if you're the person cooking you eat last and that's what i always akin that to mm-hmm. so because she's busy making food for everyone else she probably doesn't have time for her own needs okay. um, yeah. okay. especially when she has mirabel who's you know still lost in finding herself she's <laughs> kind of like it's okay it's okay i'm just gonna give you a big kiss on your face <laughs> everything's okay. better
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree with you all. I also thought of Luisa in the sense that she Mm -hmm. does take on a lot of responsibilities and duties, and we literally see her, like, on a balancing tightrope.
2: And she's constantly addressing issues. Like, she's fixing things. She's a fixer, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: I think the part that makes me sort of think more Julieta is the fact that that this individual has to be alert. Mm. They're always essentially on guard, and it seems like... um, Even in like the partner she chose who always gets like stung by bees. (laughs) She's just like ready.
0: (laughs) Very mother-like. You got to have everything in your purse.
1: (laughs) This one is the golden child, hero, saint, or super kid. This individual is a family who can do no wrong and is often described as perfect. They have intense pressure to continue to achieve and only know praise through achievement. They appear to be well-balanced and unfazed by the family dysfunction. Appear being the strong word.
2: I mean, Family Madrigal, uh, Mirabel actually calls Julieta, uh, I mean, um, Isabel and uh, Luisa perfect. Both of mm-hmm. them in their own ways. Mm-hmm. So they both fit that.
1: Miss Perfecta Isabella. <laughs> yep.
2: Isabella, obviously, right? She's definitely the yeah. golden child. She's also mm-hmm. called the golden child in that mm-hmm. first song, literally.
0: And they sing her name like she's from the angels.
2: <laughs> yeah. <Isabella>. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. But but she also describes, um, uh, Luisa as as perfect, and that's the thing about like her eye twitching, right? It's like it's it's she's breaking that that <laughs>
1: yes. image
2: of perfection. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. think that the like super kid in the title definitely makes me think Luisa.
2: You can be more than one of these, by the way. You can have of more course. than one dysfunctional family. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like I said, this is a role you you is either ascribed to you or you take yourself or somewhat both. So you may Mm -hmm. shift it up depending on what balance needs to be uh, had in the family. So the next one is the scapegoat, troublemaker, or black sheep. Mm -hmm. The individual in the family who speaks the truth about the family's dysfunction. Attention is only given to them when they cause a problem or a scene, and they are usually assigned this role at a young age. Um, They identify with feeling rejected, unloved, and isolated, and they are often placed in situations where they are pinned up against the golden child or compared to.
2: Camilo and Bruno.
1: I definitely thought Bruno, and I definitely thought Mirabelle and that, that being pinned up against the the golden child but what about Camilo uh,
2: speaks the truth about family dysfunction and it is just mm-hmm. generally uh when he's doing uh when he's playing his role correctly mm-hmm. he's good but the moment he starts messing around and mm-hmm. imitating people it's like oh like just
0: stop it yeah stop messing around yeah you know okay. okay okay and a lot of that has to do with you know because he could be everybody else you you m- might get the sense that he could also get lost In who he actually is, because he's busy shape shifting, and I feel like a lot of kids who identify as the class clown usually are Mm -hmm. hiding something, or they're using Mm -hmm. humor um, Mm -hmm. to, you know, cover up something that they might not want to talk about, or might not want to address themselves within Mm -hmm. themselves. So they put more attention on other people, um, so that they can. That's like their comic relief.
1: So interesting that you say that, because the next one is the clown or the mascot. Uh, this individual uh, lightens the mood in the home, especially when tensions rise or could boil over. They appear to always be ready to fuse tension with humor. And when this is successful, it perpetuates their desire to avoid conflict and conflict resolution by using amusing behavior. Camilo. finally we have the lost child this individual will do their best to blend into the background they often identify with feelings of being ignored neglected and fear drawing attention to themselves uh they yearn for love and approval but are often withdrawn and isolated
2: bruno dolores and Mirabel.
1: yes yeah. i definitely think bruno because he <laughs> literally blends with the background but i also think dolores because she only speaks when she's told to like identify news. She's like yeah. it's like a weather girl.
2: <laughs> also again, her ability, like it, it makes it so like in many mm-hmm. ways she has to she has to be quiet. Like she can't <laughs> even say what she knows because yeah. she knows too much.
1: Yeah. I um I think it's good to have uh some of these roles in mind uh in in therapy or when we're doing our own work because we can see them come out when we are trying to relate with others will um and we feel tension uh, or discomfort rise we will uh take on these different roles that may not actually fit or match uh the
0: needs that have to be met i noticed that we didn't mention the husbands i think felix is the the clown or the mascot yeah i was thinking that too
2: I was thinking he's a mediator peacemaker
0: oh mm. that also for sure
1: ah. Ah. so he's told to calm Peppa down
0: yeah Augustine could be kind of the scape maybe the clown because he's always getting st- stung by bees <laughs> I don't
2: know I couldn't I couldn't I don't know. think of one for him I don't think he has a I don't think he, he's the only one that's not dysfunctional <laughs> <laughs>
0: and he's the only one <laughs> yeah I mean he could also be seen as the peacemaker the mediator because he mm-hmm. he loves mm-hmm. his kids so much and he loves mm-hmm. his wife mm-hmm. so much that you know he's he's just the, the go-to guy
2: well like when he hides yeah like when he hides the yeah. the, the prophecy stone and stuff it's like no no yeah I th- I think they both um, I mean yeah they're both playing partially that role more mm-hmm. more like yeah. the peacemaker mediator kind of thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm because there's a lot of trauma in that family.
1: <laughs> um, so in the book, How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole LaPera, she has the seven inner child archetypes. Um, I definitely shout out this book and would suggest a lot of clients get it, especially um, if they're thinking of going into therapy. This is a good stepping stone if you are still not comfortable with the idea of um, being in the room with an individual. Um, maybe seeing if you align with these archetypes. Um, And so you want to think of these as internal roles. We model, assign, assume, and play out unconsciously again to survive. Um, And often our responses from unmet emotional needs or broken connections. And so what I'm going to note on these roles is how, how these internal roles have us believe what love is or how we get love. (laughs) So the caretaker, uh, this is the part of us that gains a sense of identity and self worth through neglecting our own needs. We we'll believe that the only way that we can resolve love or we can receive love is by caring for others and ignoring ourselves.
2: That's me. Uh huh. Keep
1: going.
2: <laughs> yeah. I was
0: like, I see myself in this picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep going. Go yeah. on.
1: Shots fired. I feel called out. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you?
0: Uh, so we going to the family, Madrigal, <laughs> and not the Geek Therapy Network oh, sorry. family. We, we, we. Oh, are we identifying with character? Oh, sorry. You got a Steph, little real there. Steph, so. we misunderstood the assignment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: who do you think in the family is a caretaker? I definitely thought Luisa in the being self-sacrificial uh, or believing that the only way that she can serve the family is if she never serves herself.
2: Yeah, 100%. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting the, very, like, yeah. the different way this caretaker is presented than it is mm-hmm. like the family role.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, Mirabel, because she speaks to Casita, she, I feel like she's mm-hmm. the only one who speaks to Casita and like uh-huh. interacts with Casita that way. It's like she's taking care of the house and we see uh-huh. that manifest in a more larger way. But, mm-hmm. you know, she's the one putting stuff back, making sure everyone's good, making sure mm-hmm. all the tiles are in the right place.
2: She's literally in the nursery,
0: literally. right? She's like,
2: like she, like, she has to do deal with a lot of stuff for, mm-hmm. for, for the sake of the others.
1: Everyone, she else don't yet. get no room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, okay, the next one is the overachiever, the part of us that um, feels seen, heard, and valued through success and achievement. Um, this is the part that uses external validation as a way to cope with s- love, self-worth, and value. And we see love is only received through achievement.
2: This one, I mean, it, it sounds like Isabella, but I, I feel like Isabela doesn't work hard. Like, I don't think...
0: Mm. Like,
2: she's just valued...
0: Because she is.
2: <laughs> because she's the most beautiful one and because she <laughs> makes beautiful <laughs> things, but she does that effortlessly.
0: Yeah. I think all of... Julieta's kids, those that the three of them, Mirabel, Luisa, and isabella they're all overachievers in some way or another, because Mm -hmm. one's trying to overcompensate for what she doesn't have. One's Mm -hmm. just trying to be, you know, the poster child and the other one who's just trying to be strong for everyone. So Mm. in comparison to the other two cousins, three cousins, they're way more at the forefront of I need to be this person.
1: Oh, Okay. Okay. Because if Mm. you think of like Dolores and Camilo, they could literally hide in the background and their achievement is not to be as seen as these Mm -hmm. other three, their cousins. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Nobody's praising what they're doing. Yeah. 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 And I feel, yeah, probably Luisa is the most right. Like she, she, um, Oh, what is it? Uh, damn it. She says it. I forgot what she says in the song, but it's like my, my worth is like, i have to I have to be useful like i have to mm-hmm, I have to do mm-hmm. things and if i can't do that then like
1: what good am i the next one is the opposite of the overachiever it is the underachiever and this is the part that stays small unseen and um beneath our true potential due to fear of criticism shame or failure um uh, this is a part that we uh take um, when we don't want to play the emotional game, and um, we believe that invisibility is the only way to get
0: love. This one might be a long shot, but I feel like because Peppa is always just trying to stop herself from crying and Mm -hmm. having big emotions, Mm -hmm. she has to feel small or she has to act small. Ah. Because if she lashes out or something bad happens, everyone's Mm going to have consequences for it.
1: Yeah, and that is beneath her true potential. Like she literally mm-hmm. controls the weather.
2: She she made a hurricane on her wedding day, right? She said, uh, yeah, she did." Yeah. yeah, and I forgot all about Peppa. I'm glad you brought her up yes. we did not mention her in the last. <laughs> yes,
0: <activity>. she's the <laughs> one. She, we did not, <laughs> and she's the one with the power that can truly destroy or make everyone's day great.
2: She's always subduing, right? Mm-hmm. Her her ability. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think Dolores in a way also.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
2: uh, does that like she can't talk about the fact that uh, you know she knows?
0: Mm-hmm. I think
2: Bruno too. Um, yeah, in in a way, uh, yes. but a, sure. a much more literal way here, right? Yes, because yeah. because he did speak up and was criticized, <laughs> yes. and then he literally, you know, got himself invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily as the only way to get love, but like the only way to avoid.
1: Rejection.
2: Yeah, rejection. Yeah.
1: Uh, The rescuer or the protector. This is the part of us that um, attempts to rescue those around us uh, in an attempt to hear um, from our own vulnerability, an attempt to uh, get away from our own vulnerability. So we can view others as helpless, incapable, and dependent, and we derive um, love from them and a feeling of self worth by putting ourselves in a position of power. And this uh, part of us believes that love is received when focusing on others' wants and needs and helping them to solve those problems. Even um, I will highlight if if they don't think it's a problem. So we feel the compulsion to resolve it for them, even though they might not have said that this was a thing that bothers me.
2: It's absolutely a bother. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Ferociously.
0: Ferociously. <laughs>
2: Attempts to rescue those around them. Yep.
0: That grandmotherly way. I know you guys didn't ask for my opinion, but here it is. (laughs)
1: Here's my unsolicited advice. You're welcome. Yep.
0: (laughs) About your life choices.
1: (laughs) We're down to the final three. Um, The life of the party. This is the part that is always happy, cheerful, or comedic, and that always wants to be perceived this way. Um, uh, This is the part that believes that um, we can make others around us happy. That's how we'll receive love. Camilo. Felix. The interesting thing about mm. this one is some people online said that this was Peppa. Hmm. And the example that they said is sometimes the life of the party isn't always doing good, but because their emotions affect everybody else, they have
0: to be good. Ugh. Which is why she looks so tormented. <laughs> Poor girl.
2: <laughs> yeah. I guess in that case, right? If she, if she by subduing her own powers, she's, mm-hmm. she is making sure that other people yeah. around her are are better off
1: mm-hmm. and if they're happy then
0: they love me yeah 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 i can see that because if she always just says i need to be sunny so it can always be sunny mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. the pressure
2: of uh, i mean she can literally control the weather right <laughs> like she can she can if it's raining she can and she can fix that that's uh yeah
1: we have the yes person Um, This one drops everything and neglects all their needs in the service of others. This was most likely modeled to them uh, when they were a child, uh, modeled self-sacrifice, and they believe love is given when one is good to others. This is um, slightly different than um, the caretaker, because it isn't that they're neglecting their own needs, it's that they see someone else need something, so they're going to stop what they're doing to assist, but they don't go out of their way to ignore their needs. Um, And some people sort of said online that they thought the yes person was Camilo because he literally turns Mm -hmm. into the, to you, like Mm -hmm. you, you go girl. Yeah.
2: In the opening scene, he's just like, he walks by the mom taking care of the baby and he immediately turns into the mom, takes the baby and lets her take a nap. Right. like Mm -hmm. He just immediately there's someone needs something.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I got you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that, um, in modeled uh, in childhood i think that that he saw that from his father felix in taking care of peppa yeah
2: could be yeah
1: yeah final one is the hero worshiper this is the part of us that wants to follow a person or a guru we believe the only way we will receive love is if we reject ourselves and view others as a model to learn how to live
0: mirabel because she literally worships and loves everyone
1: mm-hmm. and
0: because she doesn't have a power herself. She just says, I'm part of this magical family. Look at what they all can do.
2: We talked about like in the, in the waiting for a miracle, she's, Mm
0: -hmm. she's Mm
2: -hmm. thinking of how, you know, she could use their abilities instead of what she can do.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: No, the needs to follow a person like that part. Like I feel, I don't, I don't know that she feels like she needs to, Mm -hmm. that part feels a little
0: maybe it's manifested in her need to please Abuela in one way or another. Not really following her, but needing to please her because she doesn't know how to do that without a power.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, um, the way that the hero worshiper is essentially described in like parts work of a part of yourself, it's like, you don't see yourself reflected around you. So you must assume that that part of you is essentially bad and you need to hone a skill of something else that is reflected of others. Like, like again, worshiping in the sense of They have what I'll never have or I don't have, and I need to reject different parts of myself or how I live my life in order to be um, loved, in order to be able to live it, quote, unquote, appropriately,
0: societally appropriately. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I like that. I like a Deep dive, guys. Deep dive.
1: Yes! Okay. Thank you for uh, indulging
0: in my family
1: systems. Um, Hopefully (laughs) that helps some fellow clinicians out there in talking about uh, these characters and how they might represent family roles or parts of ourselves. Um, I think that uh, having uh, something to go off of makes that conversation a little bit safer Mm -hmm. um, and less scary uh, because you just don't want to be like, you know, calling out your client right there like, yo... Here's your (laughs)
2: dysfunctional role. So uh, whenever there's a a movie or a story with families like this, um, I mean, this is also why, um, was it like? Like Inside Out, right? It was really helpful. It's like, okay, you have all these examples. Like, do you possibly relate to any of them? Maybe like, which one? Hmm? Which one made you feel a certain way? Or like, or if you have a lot of family members and you're like, oh, like, help me understand how Things are at home, like who acts like, like, like who you know, yeah. it, it's great because we have like that that wide range,
1: yeah.
2: And it does cover these two theories really well. Like, there's a lot yeah. of videos online yeah. about that, yeah. um, people, oh, yeah. people addressing that, yeah, yeah.
1: Or to get it in a geek therapy mindset, who did you resonate with, and yeah. did you feel an intense repulsion towards uh, <laughs> any of the behaviors <laughs> yep. or individuals? Absolutely,
2: I mean, and 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 the way that that's like uh, uh, effective, I, I find is that you're like, oh, do do you feel, do you feel like you're like, like a Milo? it's Like, no, absolutely not. Why? And then and then that's when you go into it, right? And you're like, no, because I, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, uh, I have the, the power
1: inside. to turn into anything. I ain't gonna turn into other people. I serve myself.
0: <laughs> There's so many people like talking about that, especially on like the Encanto Reddit, like. If I were Luisa, I would all yeah. this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> lot yep. of opinions on that one, but mm-hmm. there was a funny one that I just saw right now, and because <laughs> we were talking about Encanto too, <laughs> and what do you want to most see if there's an Encanto sequel? Somebody said a backstory of the triplets getting their gifts. B, brother or sister movie of Camilo doing pranks and Dolores dishing out the gossip. <laughs> C, abuela and a silver fox love interest. Oh, my. D, brother-in-law buddy comedy of Felix and Augustine hanging out at the tavern. Um, e, Bruno getting on the dating scene, maybe with the woman with the dead fish. <laughs> what if they got together? Uh, or just two hours of Louisa dancing because she's living her best life.
1: Uh, Cosign.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Add to cart. <laughs> <laughs> I like all of those. Let's just do a Disney Plus thing.
2: <laughs> you just need a series now. Mm-hmm.
0: Some shorts. Just yeah. The shorts.
2: Yeah. Just yeah. a series of shorts. Mm
0: hmm. Oh, and if you enjoyed The Art of Encanto, you can get the art book for free digitally. They've (gasps) made it available to the public. All you have to do is search up Art of Encanto uh, Disney, and they've made it available because it is award season and Mm -hmm. they want to promote the art of the movie and Mm -hmm. not just our intense uh, emotions and feelings (laughs) about it. It is visually beautiful.
1: Well, thank you, Sway, for joining us again uh, for this
0: reprise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I love that we were able to unpack even further <laughs> this never-ending suitcase.
2: <laughs> I don't know how much deeper I can go into this movie. I, I'm oh, no. afraid what I'll find.
0: <laughs> this is yeah. like Mary Poppins' bag. There ain't no bottom.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> well, uh, again, um, if you want to hear even more Encanto and you want to talk to us about it, please tweet at us or DM us at happiestpodgt for both Instagram and Twitter. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye. Bye.